Hello and welcome to the BCSN Sports Wrap live on a Sunday afternoon. I guess it's going into the evening, actually. Brian Fulford here and A.D. Drew. How you doing, A.D.? Doing fine, my brother. Doing fine. Following uh, what I dubbed as the What the F weekend in HBCU football. <laughs> yeah, see, I keep I keep trying to find a more uh, family friendly show title um, for for this one. So we'll, we'll see how we'll see how this one carries. I'm gonna give you one better than that. You know, I was on the Savannah State Erkstein. Uh, play-by-play on yesterday. And uh-huh. the, the Erkstein's nickname are the Flying Fleet. The you have to be careful when saying that <laughs> fast not to say, say flying something else. And uh, you, you, That's you what I almost said. I almost said that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we both slowed down every time we said Flying fleet, not to say flying something else on the air, and we got we got through it. Thank God. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sitting here trying to. Uh, I'm looking at this my my screen here. My screen's real pixelated here, Drew. As I'm looking at you, I'm trying to figure out why that is, but. Uh, Maybe that's just a, a my problem, a me problem. I have to figure it out. Hey, uh, so yeah, as we try to work through the little the little things here, we're trying to figure out what a good name for this episode is. You know, defense travels. Uh, you know, I want to try to try to work in something about a scooter, uh, <laughs> something about a something about a homecoming beating, uh, because we did have a couple of strong defenses that traveled on the road. And we did have a couple week. of homecoming beatings also. Yeah, yeah. So this was the first, I guess this was the first uh, full October where we had, I didn't do the, I didn't do the count on how many homecomings we had this past weekend. I don't, I don't know. Did you happen to do a we, count? No, nah, but I guarantee you doing one of these breaks, you or I are going to own it and, and find out what the, what that number is and get some, uh, get some updated numbers on that. Right, right, and and for those who care, my my sinuses are still bothering me, although it's getting a little bit better. Um, so hopefully, if you're playing the how many times does Brian wipe his nose drinking game at home? There's one for you, and we'll see how over far this goes. Five. Oh, it's going five. It's going over five. So get the bottle right next to the uh, to the uh, <laughs> to the monitor here. Hey, if you're watching our show on YouTube, Facebook, uh, on Twitter. Hey, make sure you are signed in, subscribe to our YouTube page. If you would, go ahead and go ahead and subscribe to that JBN YouTube page for us. Give us a like as well. We appreciate it. Uh, also, if uh, you happen to watching us on Facebook, go ahead and give us a like there too. And uh, go ahead and retweet if you're watching this on Twitter. And uh, a little bit later, any, uh, a little bit later, you can uh, tune in and watch our show or actually listen to our show on the BCSN pod zone or the uh, BCSN sports wrap podcast feed. Just uh, look for that anywhere that you download and listen to podcasts and, and go get that Jericho broadcast networks app. 
just search my JBN or my BCSN, and that's where you can find that. Brian, and so like, subscribe, share, download, donate. That needs All, to be a tag. Said five words. We we need a tag like right down there that says that very thing. Where's the camera at? Right there. You see what what you just said? We need to just have that as a as a flashing banner that just just comes across the screen. You know, we'll work on that for a future. Maybe maybe outside of one of the breaks, we'll have that come through. Twelve homecoming games from this past weekend, and so we're gonna go. Let's start with the first big homecoming game. And that happened to be in Huntsville, Alabama. And matter of fact, let me give a quick plug because coming up at the bottom of the hour, our good friend Mo Carter from WZDX in Huntsville, Alabama, he was there on the field, got a firsthand visual of the beating that Alabama A&M took to Jackson State. Uh, Drew, I am, I, I have, uh, Jackson State is on a revenge tour right now. I got another name for it. Which I'm gonna, not going to share right at the moment. Myself right now until we until we release that name. How about that? Yeah, that, but I'm just going to call it the the JSU Revenge Tour right now. <laughs> be be very be very uh, watch out Alabama State. That's all I'm going to say because I had a feeling after the first quarter and as that game moved on that they were going to put sixty on the board. They, the starters were not coming out of that game until 60 was on the board. And sure enough, once they hit 61, that's when the the next group came on. So it was just a dominating performance from the opening possession. Uh, that, that, that defense, James Houston for Jackson State with a with forced a fumble, then scoop and scores the opening possession of Alabama A&M of the game. Then on Alabama A&M's second possession, uh, Jackson State holds them and forces them to punt. And next minute, you know, uh, bada boom, bada bing, Warren Newman returns a uh, punt for a touchdown. And, and Drew, I'm telling you, man, it, it just the route was on from from there. Uh, what what surprised you in that game? Besides the score, <laughs> sure. <laughs> just the total dominance by Jackson State. First of all, and I don't know if this is the product of the opponent or the product of the new offensive coordinator, or excuse me, the new play caller, the fact that Jackson State found a run game against Alabama a and So uh, that, that was something that was uh, totally shocking to me. And on the flip side, we knew Alabama A&M's run game was not good, but maybe a better word. I won't say it's not good. I think Gary Quarles is one of the uh, top running backs in the SWAC. Numbers have not proved out to that, which could be it's one of the reasons why Alabama A&M has always let teams back into the game during the second half is because – as a team, they cannot close the game by running the ball to shorten the game. Now, part of that is due to style. Alabama A&M is going to throw the ball 50, 55, 60 times a game. That's just how they play. But when they give the ball to calls, you know, it's, it's either hit or miss. 
He's one of the top rushers because when he when it's like baseball. It's either a home run or a strikeout. Well, let me clean, let me clean no this up, Drew. Before no doubles. Let me clean this up before you get hammered by a bunch of uh, folks from Alabama A and M. Gary Quarles is actually leading the conference in rushing in, in terms of yardage uh, at four seventy eight. Uh, leading the conference in rush attempts with 100. Uh, he's one shy off the lead in terms of touchdowns, rushing. He has four. And in rushing yards per game, he's at 95.6. Would you care to you kind of make any kind of retraction on that statement? I, I just say that before you get hammered no. by, no, by I, Alabama I, I, I still, I, I still have died because Alabama A&M in the second half cannot rush the ball. When everybody is dropping back into coverage to, with six, seven defensive backs to try to stop a queer glass from passing the ball, yeah, you you can go for, for 60 yards a game just running the ball up the middle when everybody is starting 10 yards back and having to come get you, Brian. But Alabama's A&M line has not produced this year. And when I their say their pass line, production all, has not been that's great. That's on both their sides of the ball. Their pass production has not been great. Both sides of the ball. Offensive and defensive line have not produced for Alabama ADM on a consistent basis this I'll year. I agree with you there. They have I the skill players. Sure. I don't think anyone in the SWAC, maybe in HBCU football, has a better set of skill players than Alabama ADM on the offensive side of the ball. But it takes more than the, the the best quarterback that we've seen since Steve McNair or uh, Tavares Jackson, what, uh, a trio of top receivers, and a running back who is a home run hitter, who can hit home runs at any point in time. It's going to take more than that. And Jackson State was not afraid to put seven in the box after glad to come after glass and put some pressure on glass, unlike most teams in the SWAC who want to drop seven into coverage to try to slow slow glass out and keep the play in front of them. That's a well, that's, that's a part Jackson of State Coach Pride and his philosophy and Coach Thurman and their philosophy. They have the corners who can cover one on one out there. Exactly. That's why they could bring seven and put that pressure on glass. The glass was broken on yesterday. Oh, ding for the uh, glass is broken cliche there, Drew. You can get and uh, there, there's a new drinking game for how many how many glasses broken cliches can we drop into uh, into this show? There's there's one. I'm going over under four today. Um, but look, look at the uh, the numbers here. What was the? I thought the most amazing stat was Jackson State got ten sacks. And Glass still threw, well, at one point in the first half, he was still, he was maybe 14 of 17, I think, in the first half passing. Didn't have a particularly bad day passing, but then you go look deep into the numbers. He got sacked eight times. The backup got sacked two more times. That's 10 total sacks by Jackson State. They had two fumbles, uh, uh, two fumble recoveries. Uh, no interceptions. Uh, now, Jackson's the, the, the one thing that that I think, you know, if you're, if you're going to harp on anything. Oh, and then, should I mention on offense, 
you mentioned that running game showed up for Jackson State. Santee Marshall, who I don't think he's the normal starter at the uh, running back position. I think he, uh, I can't think of the other young man's name who started uh, some of the previous games, but, but Marshall did a good job. 12 carries, 122 net yards, two scores. He had a long of 53. Jackson State overall had 496 total yards of offense. Um, then add on, they had 16 penalties for 146 yards. So just the the dominance by Jackson State on, on defense and just the havoc that they were able to create, it, that's two weeks in a row. That uh, that now now Grambling's defense, just not bad. I mean, it's I don't know if it's on Jackson State level, but it I'd say it's one of the if you had to probably rank the top four defenses in the swag. I think Grambling might be top four, might be three, four. One of those two uh, might fall in there. Definitely behind FAMU, might fall in there behind Prairie View. But I put Jack, I put Grambling up there. So that's what Alabama A and M faced. And then they had to play Jackson State. And then now they got to go up against FAMU. And so Coach Maynard's worries back in preseason, Drew, about this period in October are coming true. Because he knew Grambling was going to be tough. He knew Jackson State was going to be tough. And next week they've got FAMU. That's going to be tough as well. And their whole season has now been reduced to possibly playing spoilers, um, just trying to finish on positive notes and maybe put up stats and yards because they are so far, uh, they're so far out of it in terms of having opportunity to win the East. Uh, you know, you've got, you're now probably what, three games behind Jackson State now, and there are only six games remaining. So, you know, Jackson State would have to go on a, on a major, major loss. Um, yeah, and, I, and he, well, two two things. Let's talk about Alabama A and M's defense. Four of the five opponents that Alabama A and M has played this year have scored their season high against Alabama A and M. That's that's number one. Number two, and I, I, we talked about this when we talked a couple hours ago. Valley. Is the only team in the East, outside of Jackson State, who controls their own destiny. Uh, Michael Washington, I told you Valley was going to wind up being relevant. Valley in the East this year. Valley, I didn't think it was going to be this early that we was going to see Valley. that relevance. But Valley is the only team in the East who can control who controls their own destiny outside of Jackson State. I want a Mike Washington apology on Tuesdays. Uh, inside the HBCU Sports Lab, out of respect for my guy Drew, because he tried to tell he tried to tell y'all, but you, you mocked him and you laughed at Drew when he told you to watch out for Valley. Go ahead, put those you. comments in, and I'll explain to you later on in the show how Valley controls its own destiny. Look, uh, we'll get more into the uh, Jackson State Alabama A and M game with Mo Carter coming up, but let's let's switch to that because Valley goes on the road and talk about another visitor ruining homecoming that's what they did they traveled out to uh daytona beach bethune cookman and uh trailing 14 to 7 
going into the fourth quarter, managed to put up uh, two scores uh, real early in the fourth quarter, and defense just held. Forced uh, beat beat Bethune Cookman twenty to fourteen. Bethune had four hundred and seventy nine of total total yards of offense, four seventy nine, and came away. Now here's the kicker though: time of possession, Valley thirty eight minutes time of possession compared to Bethune seventeen. So um, you know Valley now has won two games in a row. Which if I if I recall the tweet that I saw from HBCU Sports. It's the first time since 2012 that, and that was like November 2012, that Valley has won consecutive games in the season. I, I don't think, I think that may have even been consecutive games in the SWAC back in 2012, but we're just talking consecutive games in a season. Uh, so uh, congratulations to Coach Dancy. And uh, you get the win Last week on the last play of the game, probably against North Carolina Central, didn't you go to then you go down to uh, Bethune and 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 snatch snatch a victory down there? Um, Drew, you called it, man. I I gotta give you props. You called it. Uh, all right, here we go, Brian. My first Who to Thunk It award. I know we gonna get to some of these later. Who to Thunk It? Back in July, yes, I said Thunk. That. <laughs> Texas Southern and Valley would have more victories than than Bethune and UAPB. Combined. Combined. Individually. Those two teams individually have more victories than UAPB and Bethune combined. It's true. That's true. Yes. And now, how, how does Valley control its own destiny? There are two teams, there are three teams on the east side with one loss. One of those teams has already played Jackson State, that being FAMU. So Jackson State owns the tiebreaker against Florida A&M, correct? Yes. Next, Alabama State also, also has one loss. They are yet to play Jackson State. But if Alabama State were to beat Jackson State, they have created a three-way tie which means they do not control their own destiny. Now you have to get into the tiebreakers and and all the all the different math and rankings and all that stuff. Who has time to figure out that garbage, right, Brian? <laughs> not me, not us. Okay. Valley, who has yet to play Alabama State and Jackson State. They defeat Alabama State. They will give Alabama State their second loss. They defeat Florida A&M. They would give Florida A&M their second loss. And if they defeat Jackson State, they would give Jackson State their first loss on the east side. They defeat Jack. They defeat all those along with Jackson State. Who owns the tiebreaker against Jackson State because of the head-to-head? Mississippi wow. Valley. Everybody else will have at least two losses at that point. I, true. Valley is relevant. <laughs> I can hear Mike Washington now. Valley? Valley? Yeah. Valley? Drew, you're crazy. Man. I can see it now. <laughs> I, I, I just can't just, wait to read these comments uh, when we go to break, Brian. Hey, just going inside the numbers, because I, I think when you go back and look at 
the stats and try to say, well, how did that game play out the way it did? And and I, I mentioned the time of possession. Valley rushed the ball 48 times for a total of 223 uh, yards in that ball game. Uh, Caleb Johnson with 102, Jelani Eason with 81, uh, excuse me, 56 net yards. Uh, but but really, it, you know, you look at the total number of first downs, Mississippi Valley State, 23 to 16. It was really just a run. Um, I, you know, again, Bethune put up 479 yards of offense, the second, high, the second highest production in the conference next to what Jackson State did in Huntsville on the same day. Uh, but only one of those two teams got a win. So, you know, the numbers, the, the turnovers, the, each team uh, had an interception. Uh, neither team lost a fumble or had a fumble to speak of. I mean, the penalty yardage, I mean, Bethune had eight penalties for 64 yards. Uh, Valley, four. Uh, I mean, they punted six times, Bethune did. Valley punted five times. I, you know, it, it just came down to possessions. I mean, really the big stat, if I had to circle one, Drew, Third down conversions, drive extenders. Uh, Mississippi Valley was 8 of 15 on third down. Uh, Bethune was 2 of 10. So, uh, and and Valley was 1 for 1 on fourth down. Bethune was uh, 0 for 1. So, when you, when you look at opportunities to extend drives and keep the clock moving, that's what that's what uh, Mississippi Valley did, um, and so they're they're now that they've won two in a row, their upcoming schedule they've got Alcorn State this upcoming Saturday. Then they, a matter of fact, they're hosting three games in a row. So this is an interesting schedule. They're hosting four of the next five games. They host Alcorn, they host FAMU, they host Jackson State, they travel to A and M, and then they host Alabama State. So that there's your next five games. Those are all. Well, four of the five are Eastern Conference games. So, like you said, Drew, they control their destiny and their hosting games. So that's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Hey, let's yeah, take a break uh, because we got another upset to talk about uh, related to uh, – this was a neutral site game related to a game took place in the SWAT. So we want to get this in before – we get to uh, our conversation with Mo Carter coming up a little bit later. So we're going to step away for a short moment. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. We'll be back in just a moment. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. The quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. 
shot. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here, and we are live and direct on a Sunday evening just reacting to some of the games. Week number six, we're at the halfway point of the HBCU season. We're pretty much on the downside uh, going going this game forward. want to give a shout-out to Carolyn Sharp out there. We appreciate you, Carolyn, for signing up for that JBN app. We appreciate you. Uh, and you too, uh, if you're out there watching us uh, or as you listen to the podcast, when you do listen to the podcast, uh, go ahead and download that Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Go to your Google or Apple Play Store, my JBN or my BCSN, and that's where uh, you can find it. How about Texas Southern and Southern University? Now I don't know what the what the line what the pre line was, Drew. You 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 were keeping up with that. What was the what was the number on that game? Do you recall? I think that game actually got up to twelve. I know it was double digits. I do not remember what the over under was on that line, but Southern was giving twelve. Southern was a twelve point favorite. Uh, in a neutral site game. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking at it. There, there are several books. It was it was floating anywhere from as low as 11 up to 12 and a half. So that's that's with uh, I, I don't have the the number on the over on on the total, but uh, playing a Texas Southern team that I don't know if techni- technically they're they're 0 and 3 because last week's win against uh, North American University was it? Yeah, yes, um, that did not count. Yeah, it, it technically did not count on their record, but it counted in their heart. And as as Dr. Kenyatta Cavill had said, that game meant a lot. And it showed it showed up the next week because they got that win on homecoming. And so they went out in Arlington on a neutral side. Now they played that game in the old um the old baseball stadium where the Texas Rangers used to play. And now that contest ends up counting. Uh, obviously, it's a SWAC West contest. And Texas Southern basically found a way to win that ball game against Southern with a 35-31 game uh, victory. Uh, looking at as I was – we were in the middle of our watch party – as that game was going on, and or uh, and I and I was kind of uh, paying attention to the the score uh, as that game went on. It was pretty much back and forth. Uh, it was it was a very even ball game. If you go back and look at the totals, there was only 
the second quarter in which Texas Southern got a touchdown and, and Southern came out of uh, that drive or their possession with a, that quarter with a field goal. But I want to bring your attention, Drew, to the fourth quarter. Because in the fourth quarter, with the score, and I'm going to make sure I get this right, with Southern leading 34 to 30, right? Uh, make sure I have this. I want to pull this. Make sure I pull this drive up. 34 to 30, Southern's leading, and Southern ends up getting into a situation with a fourth and one on, I believe it was their own 44, right? Their own 44, their own side of the ball. Now, usually, Drew, if you're if you're in the if you're in that territory on the 44, now you have a lead, right? What Correct. Do you Conventional wisdom tells you. Punt them, make them go to distance. Right, field position, right? Field position, yeah. flip the field, punt. Now, I don't know if the punter, you know, remember when UAPB didn't kick for a field goal on Thursday night, we all wondered, well, why? Why would you not kick the field goal and get points? And then you find out later that there was a kicker. So before we go and blast Coach Jason Rollins, and I haven't read all the reports yet and, and figure out what happened, and maybe B.J. Jones will shed light uh, when he comes on later after our show. Uh, inside the HB, uh, uh, inside HBCU football, rather, when his show comes on tonight, maybe he'll break that down as to as to why Southern punted, okay, uh, or did not punt, but they decided to go for it on fourth and one, and maybe it's because they're Southern and they're saying, hey, we should get, a, we should be able to get a first down. You know what, Mo Carter, might and they be should have been able to get a first down. They should have been able to, but you know what, they did not. Defense travels. Texas Southern got to stop. Probably surprised the heck out of Southern that they got to stop, given how many points were being thrown around in that contest. But defense showed up when it needed to show up. And so uh, with uh, with the ball then flipped on their own 44-yard line, Texas Southern needed to go only eight plays, eight plays and 44 yards to score the go-ahead touchdown and leave 39 seconds on the clock. Um, and I believe, Drew, if I'm looking at the time right, and I want to make sure I get this right, they left uh, – how much time did they leave on the clock on that series? I had it pulled up earlier. Um, probably about 3.11. Yep, they left 3.11 on the clock when they went out on downs. Okay, so Texas Southern turns around – goes um, 44 yards in eight plays, led by uh, freshman quarterback uh, Andrew uh, Andrew Body. Make sure I have that name right, uh, because that's a name that you're going to make sure you want to know. Uh, quarterback from Texas Southern. Uh, threw two complete passes, positive yards. He threw another complete pass, but it went negative yards. Then his big play was he rushed 21 yards, got to the southern four-yard line. On next play, they punch it in for a touchdown, leave 39 seconds on the clock. And it just goes for, in terms of statistics, Andrew Body had a great night, I thought. Um, when you look at his look at his numbers, passing-wise, he was 28 of 35, 338 yards. That's an 80% completion percentage, Drew. 80%. Uh, he did get sacked twice. He did have two fumbles that he lost, 
but then he had a total net of 85 rushing yards on 16 carries. His longest run was the biggest run, that 21-yarder to get to the four, and uh, and then Southern or uh, Texas Southern ends up punching it in for a score and takes the lead, 35-31, and uh, pretty much that was all that was all she wrote um, from from there. Uh, Brian, yeah, you you are so diplomatic. Let, let's be <laughs> trying to be. Why, he, why they went for it on fourth down. As an Indianapolis Colts fan, you know what I'm about to describe. Monday Night Football. Most Tom infamous fourth down folly. Yep. Yes, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Bill Belichick went for it. I believe he was he was about the 34, 36-yard line. It was somewhere. It was 30-something-yard line. Just over two minutes to go in the ball game. Patriots were leading at the time. Bill Belichick did not want to give Peyton Manning the ball back. So he figures if he goes for it on fourth down, he gets the first down, he could then run out the clock. Colts defense stopped the Patriots. Manny goes down, scores the touchdown, does not give Tom Brady time to come down and score against the Colts. And Colts go on to win that game. And was that the Super Bowl year? The Colts won the Super Bowl, if I remember correctly. I think that was. Yes, yes, because we did end up that, that, that being the difference, difference in how field. we ended up hosting. Exactly. That yes. is how the Colts ended up hosting the AFC Championship game against New England. Yes. And how they finally got over the hurdle against New England. Yes, because we had not won an AFC Championship in New England. We were like 0-4 going to New right. England in AFC Championship games. Same thing. <laughs> same thing. The defense, well, the same thing was he, he just knew the defense was not going to stop them. He had a better chance to win that game by keeping the ball. You know, conventional wisdom say punt the ball, but the but the new metrics that everybody use says keep the ball. I'd rather have the ball than, than give it to you. I, ha- I have much more control of my outcome if I have the pigskin. I cannot blame Rollins for making that decision except for the execution of it. Uh, well, he called it. The coach called it. The coach called right. it. That's what I, I mean, said. I, 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 you call. That's why I said the execution. I, 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 I could, I could blame the execution. I cannot blame the decision going, the decision making going into the call and the why he made that call. Now the call may be suspect, but the why they made that call, I a hundred percent agree with it. And then let's not forget about the infamous challenge of the challenge in that game. Uh, oh yeah. Well, let you know what. Let, it's 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 good that we're talking about this game because joining us right now is a Southern University football alum, uh, our good friend Mo Carter from uh, WZDX in Huntsville, Alabama, and we're going to bring Mo in, and maybe Mo can share his thoughts on why Southern would go for it in the fourth quarter. 3-11 left to play. With the lead. Leading with the lead. Uh, Mo, thank you for coming on the Sports Wrap. How you doing, Mo? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. Um, interesting week, you know, for HBCU football. 
And I actually uh, caught, caught part of your conversation about this Southern um, situation. You know, it's kind of funny. I kind of ran from the Alabama A&M game to get to my desk here at work. And so I listened to the Southern game. And it was kind of like, what in the world just happened in this situation out there in Texas? And I actually talked to some people about it. And, you know, I think opinions differ from this and that. Well, Lord, I, and I hate that we hate the fact that we got to bring you in on this. <laughs> you know, I hate to I hate to do that to you. Um, but while you're here, and, and we're just trying to make sense of the philosophy behind it. You know, I know there was a lot of points going on back and forth. And Drew, maybe Drew's right. Maybe he felt like. I don't know how you feel this way against Texas Southern. I don't know, you know, this is Texas Southern, right? This is, and all due respect to, you know, uh, Tiger Nation, but uh, it's not like Texas Southern over the last decade has had a great history against SWAC opponents. So when we go to this statement about Southern feeling like they couldn't get a stop, uh, when we go to this Sorry, thought about Southern, that's all right. When we go to this thought about Southern can't get a stop, I, I can't buy that. I can't, I, that's hard for me to swallow. You as a former player, Mo, how does that sound? And when you hear that, just that thought, and I don't know if people you talk to have, have any similar thought. Yeah, so I kind of been texting a few of my former teammates, uh, a couple of defensive guys, and I actually talked to Jerry Paul Joseph, who's a sports reporter in Baton Rouge. We all kind of agreed that, yeah, Southern's defense that we saw in the spring that was dominating has not translated over to the fall for the current season that we happened here. And, of course, you know, you kind of look at the numbers, and right now, defensively, they're not doing too well. So when you go back and look at yesterday's game or whatever, I mean, Coach Rollins wanted to put the confidence in his offense to get that first down and basically run the clock out after that. And unfortunately, the challenge of the challenge caused him um, not to get the first down after they had been awarded the first down at first. Um, with that, even Coach Pete Richardson on the radio broadcast said that he'd never seen anything ever ever in all of his years of football ever take place like that situation there. But he actually kind of agreed that, yeah, defense had not been playing well. Remember, Coach Richardson's a defensive guy, too. So apparently Coach Rollins just saw something to say, look, you know what, let's just kind of end it right here because we know we can run the clock out in that situation. So to kind of see Southern's defense in the situation where they are right now, I am kind of dumbfounded because, you know, Southern – the dog day D that has been the chant for years. That has been the roll call when it comes to that unit for the blue and gold just has not been showing up. And it definitely showed yesterday, especially when they don't get the first down after the challenge. And then they fail to stop Texas Southern from scoring uh, to give them the final lead. So definitely a huge gut punch to Southern university's football team and really the Jaguar nation yesterday. Yeah. Beat Texas Southern like nine straight times. And, to lose like that yesterday definitely was tough. Drew, right. explain explain to people that challenge the scenario because there may be people who, who aren't familiar with what happened there in that challenge uh, scenario. The only thing that I can see, and trust me, I, I've never used a challenge system when I officiate. I've done plenty of high school football. I've been on the sidelines for some college football, but never made it to the field uh, for college football. But the only thing that I could see was the initial challenge had to be for something 
besides the spot of the ball. So when they ruled on that challenge, that that was probably a booth challenge called out to the field, say, hey, we need we need y'all to come take a look at it to see ABC. I don't know what it was because I have not seen it, the film of that game, so I don't know what the initial challenge would have been. They ruled on that challenge. Then the the coach, the coach's challenge was, hey, we don't like that spot of the ball. We challenge the actual spot of the ball after you all have ruled on the initial challenge. That's the only way that I can put in this head how you can challenge a challenge. Because it has to be on two separate things. Because once they rule it, either and, and you know what the rule it is, it's uh it inconclusive. What, what what are the what are the famous calls that inconclusive confirmed or no no visual evidence uh, or the ruling on the field stands the ruling on the field stands is called and depending on which which of those phrases that they use tells you how good of a replay that they had or the ruling has been reversed obviously so those are the only things to say and what we got on that call was none of the above. No explanation. We moving the ball. First down, go the other way. Yada yada yada. Let's go and score. Let's go and score. And Brian, one other thing I want to bring up before we jump on the Alabama A&M game. Just call that fence because there was no D in that game with over a thousand yards between the two. Excuse me, eleven hundred yards between the two teams. I'm surprised both teams only scored in the thirties, given how little defense was played in that game. Yeah, I can agree um, with you. And as a matter of fact, Coach Pete Richardson said the same thing in his recap on the radio broadcast. He was actually surprised that more points weren't scored. And also, he did mention that Texas Southern left a few opportunities out um, on the field that they could have probably scored as well. So you definitely could have seen a higher score. As far as your explanation of what you just gave, I think that's about the best explanation that I've probably gotten when it comes to everything that happened yesterday or whatever, I'm really hoping that somebody from the SWAC office will be at least able to send some kind of email out explaining what the heck happened or whatever from there. Now, and the reason why I say that, they have done it in the past, so I'm really hoping that we can see something in the next day or two, you know, from that. That happened, that play happened um, in that final drive, Uh, correct? That was the final drive there. And, and again, just for those who don't know, you know, I, we were just talking about that fourth down play. Um, you know, I'm just going to – I'm just reading right here from out of the advocate, uh, Jim Klein-Peters uh, report here. And, and those of you who watch Carlos Brown, the Carlos Brown show on Saturdays, uh, Jim is a, a regular contributor on that show. So the I'm reading right from his article. The pivotal play first reviewed for the spot. An official said it was TSU's ball near midfield. Rollins asked for a measurement. An official reversed the call, giving the ball to Southern. But TSU coach Clarence McKinney challenged the ruling, and officials called for another review that showed the original spot was incorrect. So, in in essence, you're challenging the challenge. So you're the, the, ruling, challenge the first the ruling. Yeah, it's like you're I, I, again. Uh, the SWAC has to make somebody has to come out from the SWAC offices and sit. So I don't know 
if that had, that should have already happened, but if it hasn't, somebody should be coming out and maybe hopefully they begin the uh, media press uh, uh, run that they have on Mondays with the coaches. We hope that that starts because there needs to be some clarification on that can, because that can, that could have cost – that may have cost Southern an opportunity at winning the West. We don't know yet. Obviously, still a lot of football to be played, but if they lose by a right. game – you're going to look back at that and you're going to say, what the, okay. Yeah, the, what the, what, what the F we in college <laughs> football is what I could. And, you know, Brian, keep something else in mind as we move on. This is not like this is a championship game that we were watching in the SWAC. So there were not 12 camera angles like you see on when the game's on the big boy ESPN. You may have had four or five different camera angles. So who knows where that camera was in relation to the angle right. that they used to make spot one and spot two. So I, we're just, we're just going to leave it at that. Now let's move on to Bulldog Nation. All uh, right, uh, Mo, what the F happened in Huntsville, Alabama? <laughs> what happened? What, what did, from your viewpoint, where did things go? I mean, I, I look, here's my thought. Here's my thought. I thought Coach Maynard did a great job of trying to have fun with this game and try to bring the hype. Uh, I, I think it kind of went south on him a little bit because uh, Coach Prime didn't want to play along. And so it kind of went negative. Uh, but then the game started, and I think all of that got bundled up and just to a beating. And I told – somebody about midway through that game that Prime wasn't going to move those starters out of the game until they got to 60. What's your take on what you saw from the field level and then in the post game? Okay, so um, when I think about everything overall just in general, it's kind of funny. So I was on the pregame show with your buddy Charles Bishop, I also was a guest on Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, and I also was a guest on Carlos Brown this past week. I kind of said the same thing. I'm like, hey, here, here are your keys to victory for Alabama A&M. Here's your keys to victory for Jackson State. I'm not saying that Jackson State definitely paid attention to all that, but everything I said, they came out and they did. I said Alabama A&M needed to protect the football, and what happens? First drive. They are rolling. They've got momentum. Then they get stripped, sacked for a touchdown. Not only did you not protect the football, but you also was losing the turnover battle and you were losing on the scores early on. Another thing I said, too, is that uh, you got to protect a quill glass. That did not happen. Jackson State walked away with 10 sacks on the day. Another thing I said for Jackson State probably to do to find success is that they have to find a rushing game. Well, I go and look at the stats. Jackson State finishes the game with a whopping 247 yards on the ground. And they weren't doing anything special. They were literally just punching Alabama A&M in the mouth from the get-go. And honestly, Alabama A&M just never adjusted to what ended up happening on yesterday. I will say this. My hat goes to Coach Deion Sanders and his team for putting together the perfect game plan to beat Alabama A&M. It's not so much that Alabama A&M played a bad game. You look at the stats or whatever, they did some good things, but Jackson State did things five, six times better 
or whatever when it came to that. And Alabama and them never had a response for what Jackson State would do after they scored a touchdown or had a score or did this or did that. They never did that. The whopping thing, too, that really got to me was that Alabama and them's offensive line got whipped up front. And out of those 10 sacks, maybe two of those sacks, Jackson State actually sent more than four guys. So you think about this. Four defensive linemen were whipping five guys at a time, majority of the day. They could not get the rushing attack going with Gary Crawls because they were basically hitting him by the time he was getting the ball. And, I mean, the pressure was just there from the beginning and really all the way to the end on that. So, yeah, you know, Jackson State's defense, they are definitely for real. They are ranked number one in multiple categories in the SWAC for a reason, and they definitely showed it on yesterday. And, yeah, I mean, the score definitely showed the reflection that, hey, Jackson State, number one team ranked this week in the HBCU polls and various polls. They're they're in a good spot or whatever, and they've got the momentum. So it's going to be kind of tough to beat these guys during the second half of the season, in my opinion. Mo, do you think the players bought into the the the, the t- look? I I think Maynard tried to take away some of the, the the attention from his players after their performance against Grambling. I, I think that all the again going back to the stuff with the scooter and and all that. I think I think that was him taking on some of that, so that way you don't go ask a bunch of uh, questions or you don't put a lot of things onto the players because yes, those same problems that Jackson State exposed showed up last week against Grambling. Um, so there's something to that. Were the players, I mean, I know it's homecoming. Jackson State, they were excited for this game. Was Alabama a as excited for this game? I mean, you would think with it being homecoming, a battle of two of the top HBCUs in the nation, going back and forth, very key matchup. Uh, within the East Division, you would think that would be the case. You would think those leaders on the a football team like Aquil Glass and Brian Jenkins Jr. and Quarles and all those other guys or whatever would have been excited and hyped. And Jackson State came in there and they took away their will to win early. And, yeah, Coach Maynard did – I think Coach Maynard did a good job trying to take a whole lot of whatever and try to put it on him. But at the same time, I don't think his football team rallied around him the way yeah. Jackson State's football team rallied around Coach Deion Sanders and his approach for the upcoming – well, the game that happened on yesterday. And you kind of definitely saw it or whatever because, I mean, the atmosphere was magical. I mean, the, the overall attendance was like 21,835 or something close to that nature. It was the second largest attendance ever at Lewis Cruz Stadium, only behind uh, the 1998 game that featured Alabama A&M and Southern, which was the transitional year for Alabama A&M as they were going from D2 to D1 um, in 1998. So, I mean, the crowd was there. The hype was there. A whole lot of things were there. ESPN was there. Jay and Tiffany were there. And Alabama A&M, man, they just did not show up. And Jackson State. Ric Flair was there. Yeah, Rick Flair, Flair was there. The too, nature man. boy was in the house. You know, Rick Flair was there. So I mean, Rick Flair was there. Ruben Stutter was there. Uh, oh. Cameo was here, man. I mean, there was a whole lot of people here in Huntsville, and Alabama A&M did not show up or whatever in on the right plays. Now I will go back to this: the play that changed the entire narrative was that strip sack by James Houston of Aquil Glass. He came untouched, hit him, stripped him, took it back sixty-seven yards for a touchdown. 
A&M was rolling down the field with yeah. some impressive catches and some impressive first downs on that drive. And really, that was the thing that really took away the life of Alabama a Really, I think that play right there, because you kind of just saw the air go out the balloon a little bit, and then it just kept going more and more and more. And all of a sudden, we're in the middle of the second half, and I'm mean, excuse me, second quarter, and it's like 30 to 7, 33 to 7. You know, it, 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 it's some crazy number. You're kind of like, what the heck is going on here? Seriously. So that's really what happened or whatever. And I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, Jackson State came in and played a great game. They showed why. They are who they are, and Alabama A&M definitely has to go back to the drawing board. Yep. I, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Drew. All right, Bo. Last time I checked in college athletics, there's no trade deadline where you can go out and acquire players. There's no waiver wire where you can pick up a veteran who's just sitting out there. Two losses in a row for Alabama A&M. Haven't seen anything like that since 2019, I do believe, last time Alabama A&M lost two in a row, maybe even 2018. Can't go – I don't remember the 2019 off the top of my head. I know they were 75, but I can't remember if there was ever two in a row during that season. So what does Alabama A&M need to do to regroup to – salvage the rest of the season and put themselves in the best chance that they can if one of the teams in front of them in the SIE, excuse me, in the SWAC East falters and opens the door back up for them. Okay, the first thing I will tell you that they need to do, man, they need to do some soul searching. They really need to do some soul searching. I mean, that that's just being plain. That's me being plain and simple. That's also me um, speaking for someone in the media who covers them, but also from myself being a former player in this conference. I will definitely tell you, coaches are telling them, hey, soul searching has to happen because we don't want you to check out for the rest of the season or whatever. Some things can happen. There are some crazy things that can happen. This is the Southwestern Athletic Conference. We've seen some crazy things happen. But at the same time, you have to do your part in this situation. Um, so, yeah, they've got to definitely regroup and figure out some other things. And also, Drew, uh, just to answer your question, uh, the last time Alabama A&M lost back-to-back games, they had a three-game skid at the beginning of 2018, Coach Maynard's first season, in which they lost a close game to, to North Alabama. They lost to Cincinnati. And then they lost the Gulf Coast Challenge to Southern by two. Um, ever, but that's the first time they've ever lost back-to-back game. Well, I say first time. The last time they lost anything of back-to-back game um, since Coach Manor has uh, been there. But as far as his current team right now, yeah, man, they've got to do some soul searching. And the other thing, too, is that the road still does not be easy for them. Florida A&M is coming to Huntsville next week. Um, I don't that, know The number two defense in the conference. Say it again. The number two defense in the conference after they just exactly. faced the number one defense in the conference. Exactly. Like so you D. can't tell me that Coach Willie Simmons and his staff are not going to look at this tape. They're, they're, you can't tell me they won't look at the tape from the Grambling game and may even go back to the Tuskegee game as well and be like, well, look, this is what worked. Let's try some wrinkles and do the same thing. So, you know, that road is still going to be, you know, quite tough. And um, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe you guys can speak on it. Um, anybody know if the 100s are making their way over to Huntsville? As of right now, I've been told that they are not. That was a conversation I had with somebody 
as of right now, it doesn't look like the hundreds. Some some plans have changed. I don't know if that's because of the nature of the game is not as big, or it might just be some other things. But right now, the hundred is not. But that could change in the next forty eight hours. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you know, I had to ask that for the atmosphere situation or whatever. But yeah. besides that, no. I mean, you still have big games coming up. You have Florida A and M. You have your bye week. You have the Magic City Classic at the end of the month in Alabama State. Or whatever. At first, we were kind of writing them off, but somehow, some way, they're starting to pick up some victories here and there, and trying to really play for Coach Donald Healy, Hill Ely's job. When you really look at it, following that, you got a Mississippi Valley State team that has now won back-to-back games for the first time since 2012, if I'm not mistaken. And then after that, they go to Texas Southern. Texas Southern pulls off a victory against Southern yesterday, and they wrap up the season with Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, I'm, of course, you know. For East Division, I mean, it's kind of slim to none now because they need some help from some other teams or whatever. But at the same time, too, yeah, Coach Maynard literally has to have his guys do some soul searching or whatever to finish the season out on a good note. I mean, I'm I'm going way, way out on the limb or whatever. The possibility of getting an at-large bid or whatever for the playoff. It kind of still is there, maybe, if they can't, you know, win the East. or what. There's still a lot of things ahead of them, but they've got to handle their business first and foremost and salvage some things. So that's why I say, yeah, soul searching needs to be done. First, it needs to be done on that offensive line. They've got to find a way to protect Aquil Glass. Aquil Glass wins you football games. He's going to win He's going to win more football games than lose more football games for Alabama A&M, but you've got to give them that time. And then we'll talk about it all day long. That defense needs to find a way to get better. The only good thing I can say about the defense is that they aren't the worst defense in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. There's about <laughs> five of the teams that give up more yards per game than them, but at the same time, it's still not a good situation to be with them defensively. So, yeah, man, they've got to find ways to still remain positive and you know do some good things especially with the big big games you got coming up because there is no easy w on the rest of this schedule um especially after what some of these other teams have done now all right mo back in july everybody laughed to me when i said said these uh few statements number one i said valley would be relevant valley is the only team in the east not named jackson state who controls their own destiny at this point in time. That's number one. Yep. And number two, I said it was going to be competitive. Most, there were going to be a lot of wins, a lot of upsets. Texas Southern and Valley have more wins individually than UAPB and Bethune combined. Break those who two statements thought? down for me. Who would have thought? Matter of fact, let's go ahead and like screen record this and you know we can turn around and play this back at the end of the year too. Um look, hey, Mo, let me look, next week is the first of a couple of weekends where all 12 SWAC teams are playing. So we've got six SWAC games uh for the first time this year. Um uh, so it'll be a big weekend next week. But we're also at the halfway point. So I'm gonna get you out of here on this. I'm going to ask you to give us sort of our your your best and worst of the first half. Best, worst from the first half of the season. That's overall. It doesn't have to be in the conference only, but it can be just overall. Uh, and then you're not going. You know, obviously we'll we'll come back at the end of the season. But if you would tell us tell us your best and worst from the first half of the season among the twelve SWAC teams. Among the twelve SWAC teams. Well. Um... 
Right now, I would have to say best is probably a 1A, 1B situation with both Jackson State and Prairie View. Um, of course, we've seen what Jackson State has come out the box and been able to do, and Coach Deion Sanders and his team have been able to kind of quiet the naysayers and the haters that they have been uh, been able to do. So, you know, kudos to them on what they're doing. Um, I'm hoping, though, that he can talk to them and let them know, like, hey, there's still a full season ahead of us, or really a half season ahead of us, and they have to do some other good things. I also will say this with Prairie View. Coach, uh, Coach Dooley, my um, former wide receivers coach when I played at Southern University, who we knew was going to do great things as a head coach one day, he is doing a great job with that Prairie View team. And, I mean, they're looking pretty good. Um, could be a huge game come, was it November 13, I think it is, when they take on Alcorn? Who knows? That could be like de facto West Championship or whatever when you look at it from today's perspective. But the other thing I do like about Prairie View is that Coach Dooley is always like to sling the ball around. Well, now they're committing to the run. So now you have to put together a game plan in which you have to stop Prairie View's rushing attack and their passing attack. And their defense, you know, it's actually gotten better um, this year, too. So I will definitely say that Prairie View and Jackson State have come out and been basically the best um, among the. And also, you know, let me go ahead and let me, let me throw this in there, too. I also want to put like kind of like a next best. Let me go ahead and give props to Coach Dancy in Mississippi Valley. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the history. Mississippi Valley is not the easiest place in the world to win. They are not. They are going to play teams very, very tough each and every time, but somehow they just can't go over, get over the hill. All of a sudden now, Mississippi Valley is beating the North Carolina Central team who beat Alcorn or whatever, and then they beat a Bethune-Cookman team on the road. Use that whole transitive property thing or whatever. Mississippi Valley technically would be at the top of the SWAT standings almost. <laughs> if you really come to think about it, you know. So Valley, uh, I will. Valley, I know, right? Valley, those Delta Devils, man. You know, and like uh, Ad Drew said, they still control their own destiny in the Eastern Division. They're the only team besides Jackson State that can do that. Uh, among the worst, I I will say this. Um, Right now, man, I am surprised that Bethune-Cookman is in the spot that they are. I really, mm-hmm. really am surprised. And all the reason why I say that is because I know Coach Sims is a pretty good coach, but it also just seems like they just can't catch a break when it comes to winning those games at the end of the game. You know, they, they just have some bad breaks, and they're, they're facing adversity, and they're not overcoming their adversity on the field. So, yeah, um, right now I am really surprised that they – at the middle of October, they sit at 0-6. I am very, very, very surprised. But with that being said, they host Prairie View on next week. You can almost look at it as being a trap game for Prairie View. So Prairie View's got to bring their A game when they go down to Daytona Beach for a game that starts at uh, 3 p.m. over there, um, you know, in the land of the Wildcats. As a matter of fact, I think it might be a 4 p.m. game. Depends on um, I saw 1 o'clock. I just saw something on oh, the okay. Thune site, and it said it said 1 p.m. Eastern. So I I don't know. Okay, well, all right. Well, ESPN has it listed at at three four ish. So okay. who knows what time that game actually is? But um, yeah. So with that being said, yeah. But don't cook me if you want to find a way to turn things around. Hey, knock off the team that's currently ranked number one in the West, and you know we'll we'll see how it goes from there. But the best thing about the swag, and I've been telling you guys this all year long, is that every week offers up something great that you may have not seen 
coming or whatever. And we're going to get that each and every week. Got Southern Pine Bluff next week, FAM, Alabama A&M, Jackson State, Alabama State. You don't think Jackson State's thinking about the revenge tour for what they did back in the spring? And, you know, Alcorn, Mississippi Valley, Texas Southern, Grandland, PV, Bethune-Cookman. Every one of those games, I think, will have some sort of interest when it comes to the standings and also interest among HBCU football fans. Well said. Well, well said. Um, great stuff out there, guys. Make sure you're following Mo Carter on Twitter. Uh, great practice, great packages over the weekend, by the way, not only from uh, A&M and Jackson State, but also A&T and North Alabama. Obviously, North Alabama is in your coverage area. So, uh, yeah, uh, there was a lot of empty seats in that North Carolina A&T stadium. <laughs> so I will laugh about that. And and just kind of you know what are what's going on with you Aggie Aggie Nation? You guys need to show up. Uh, that was a good game that you missed out on, just because it was absolutely. What's interesting too is what's interesting is that North Alabama is probably the best first quarter and second quarter team I've ever seen in all of the FCS. They just break down after the second quarter. I mean after halftime or whatever. I mean they had leads on Nickel State. They had leads on Campbell, and they were tied with Southeastern. And all of a sudden, they just lose in double-digit fashion to all those teams or whatever. It was interesting to see A and T go up, and the North Alabama make the um, you know make the resurgence and actually took a late lead in that they game. Took a lead, yeah. But then you know they took a late lead in that game or whatever. But A and T was able to pull it out. North Alabama actually had a chance to win the game. They got down to I think the thirty-yard line or so, and then threw an interception or whatever. So yeah, they definitely gave North Carolina A and T a scare overall uh, with that but yeah really really good game kudos to our sister station for hooking us up with those highlights from yesterday yeah all right guys uh make sure you're following mo carter out there wzdx in huntsville alabama mo i'm sure we'll talk later because the rattlers are coming to town and i know my guys at the ong strike zone they want to get you in to talk about that one um so i'm sure we'll, we'll talk later in the week about that so hey appreciate your time tonight uh have a good show i'm sure you're doing a live show tonight i'm sure right yes sir yes sir getting ready for um fox 54 sports extra at 10 p.m central hey if you want to go ahead and check it out you can actually go to fox54.com hit watch live at 10 p.m central 11 eastern and you can see our show in in um in its entirety if you want to watch it online Alabama State waving the flag for football schools in the state might have been the only Alabama school that won a game over the weekend I think only uh, three won. I think Troy won, and UAB. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Alabama, so Alabama State, UAB, and Troy. Yeah, those are the only wow. Alabama schools that won uh, yesterday. Yeah. And heck, you know, even go further. Deontay Wilder lost last night, so that was, oh. you know, it was a rough night for Alabama sports. So, man, I tell you what, boy, that's that's a that's a rough one, man. All right, well, you guys be safe, and and uh, it's just one week, folks, in Alabama. It's just one week, you know. Come back off the bridge, you'll be okay. It'll be okay. Uh, hey, Mo, thanks for your time. All right. Hey, we're gonna take a all short right, break. You're watching the. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap with Brian and AD. We'll be back right after these words. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803 803- Five two six seven eight nine five, or visiting sugarchateaudesserts.com. 
Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger. That's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. You really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. This is Carlos Brown, letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net and on the BCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Supermarket Sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. Thank you guys for what. Hey, welcome back to the BCSM Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford and A.D. Drew here. Uh, Want to appreciate uh, or give, uh, or say we appreciate, rather, uh, Mo Carter for coming in and joining us and uh, talking with us. Uh, Want to thank you guys who are out there watching us on YouTube and Facebook. Please make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel already and uh, hit that notification so that way when we send out shows uh from the jericho broadcast networks not just sports we got some other really good shows uh that are part of the family uh you, you'll get notifications about that and then if you are like our friend carol sharp who signed up for the uh, jbn app you can just go to your google or apple play store just search my jbn my bcsn and go 
download the app and register. Register. Interesting discussions from some of our commenters. Drew, um, good friend of the program, uh, Michael Rodog Reed, uh, told us that Texas Southern was going to wreck a lot of people's parlays this weekend. Uh, he, he, did, he, I, did he do that? Uh, all I'm going to say is I wish <laughs> – I would have taken them. I told you I was staying away from that game. I wish I would not have now. Right. Because right. Texas uh, Southern has been so when, when, you, when, you, when you look at them and you take them, they disappoint you. When you don't take them, they, they surprise you like this. Right. Um, Swag fans uh, on YouTube just reminding us that all this talk about Valley means nothing because you can't see Valley beating Jackson State and FAMU. Uh, and we don't know what we'll get from Valley. I couldn't see State. being 0 6 either, but they are. Look, I, look I'm looking at Valley's. Valley's got Alcorn. Again, I'm just going to say this for the people in the back, right? <laughs> Drew tried to tell you. Drew tried to tell you, you know, but y'all are out there. Listening to Mike Washington tell you know and, and laughing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> they got four of the next five weeks are at home for Valley, Alcorn, FAMU, Jackson State, Alabama State, and then they go on the road to Alabama A and M. I oh I, I was about to make a bold prediction and say Valley's gonna win two of those four, but they're gonna win one of the, they're gonna win one of those th- four, one of those four. I, I'm just gonna put that out there. They're not going to go 0-4 at home. So, so the question is, who's going to travel the Valley and and trip over themselves? I, I'm just saying. I'm just putting that out there. Somebody think, will. I'll make the bold prediction. <laughs> oh, don't do it, Drew. Don't do it. Okay. I, I, no, go I, ahead. I'll say it, but I think it's going to start this week. Uh, whoa. Ooh, what's the history? What's the history there between Alcorn and, uh, and Valley? Instant. In-state rival. In-state, yeah, yeah. have to ask, I have to reach out to Charles Edmond and kind of ask him about that. Um, go ahead. Oh, I'm, about I, to say? I, I'm, I'm oh. looking it up as you talk. Oh, um, yeah, we will get into the subject of North Carolina a I Jamie Walker, I know he's out there watching us, good friend of the program, did a great job calling the Clark Atlanta game. Uh, against Allen University. Clark got a 21-12 to win, I believe. Uh, that was a great call by Jamie. Jamie, what's going on with Aggies, with the Aggies, man? What was the attendance? He called Aggie Nation out the week before. Told you guys that you had to do a little bit better. Uh, from what I saw from the videos in uh, that piece from uh, Mo Carter, I saw a lot of empty seats. A lot of empty seats. Now, you know, a lot of people will say that the PWIs from – the FCS level don't travel. I don't know how accurate that is. You know, I think that may be a broad sweeping generalization, um, but maybe it just is in the Big South. But regardless of who your opponent is, I got to think, look, North Carolina A&T is supposed to be one of the elite HBCU programs, right? At least that's what I've heard for the last two, three years. Why aren't you showing up? Show up, show up and show out, you know, your, your guys are out there playing. They're playing hard for, for the program. They're trying to get to the FCS playoffs, right? 
show up for them. You know, don't wait till homecoming or some other HBCU game to show up. That's that's just my two cents on the matter, Drew. Bryant, uh, Valley is one, has won one of the last seven, one of the last eight versus Alcorn. That win occurred in 2012. We, we said something earlier about 2012. That win was at home against Valley. We're not counting last year's forfeit, which actually technically gives them two wins against Alcorn. Yeah. So that 2012 was the year, I think, when they won three in a row. Look what's coming Correct. up here against Alcorn. Look what's coming yes. up. A chance to go three in a three row in again. Row. The synergy the synergy of that is kind of nasty if you think about it. Um let's I know we got Chris Ferguson coming up a little bit. Chris covers uh CIAA football for D2Football.com. I know he's also written some good stuff for HBCU Game Day as well. Um, the CIAA, Drew, one of my big disappointments for the first half of the year, how about the CIAA South? I'm just going to just gonna wrap a bow around the CIAA South in its entirety. And I'm talking Johnson C. Smith, Livingstone, St. Aug, who are still all winless. Winston-Salem State finally got a win, but then they gave up 73 points to Shawan the other week. So you had a contest where Fayetteville State played Shaw, and on October 9th, that game may very well have decided who represents the South Division in the CIAA championship game. Fayetteville State went on the road, beat Shaw 15 to 12. We'll talk to Chris about that coming up. Um, so, yeah, Brian, my big disappointment. Is that any different than the Jackson State Fam U game may actually be the game that decides the SWAC East? And that was the first game of the season? A lot of games left to play, but could be. A lot of games. I'll just say, if, if everything happens like everybody says it's going to happen, is that any different? Yeah, well, and then on the North Division, now, the one thing we can't say, uh, even though, you know, the North Division has been a little bit stronger in the CIAA, Bowie State with a big win, 14-3 to over Shawan. Uh, Shawan came into the ballgame averaging 51 points a game. Bowie was averaging 30 a game, I think, uh, but more importantly, their defense was only giving up about, what, 12, 14 points, something, something like that? Yes. And uh, they went on the road. Uh, got a late defensive touchdown. Uh, I think it was Josh Pryor got a scoop and score to make it 14-3. to But otherwise, we're talking a 7-3 to ball game. And so Bowie State went on the road, got a big win. Uh, they've won five in a row now after losing the first game of the season to Delaware State. And so they're – I believe they have a CIAA streak still running right now, Drew, in terms of wins. Uh, so that uh, that's here. Okay, it looks like Chris is here. So let's see if we can bring in Chris Ferguson from D2Football.com. And we're going to get into talking about the CIAA and the action. Uh, of course, the CIAA just coming off of um, the North versus South battles that were taking place 
in week four and five. The North won each of those weeks four games to two. But again, you know, given how bad the South is overall, um, you know, that's a tough situation. All right. Let's see. Well, Drew, are we are we still there? I'm still here. Okay, I, I couldn't tell because you had this <laughs> you had this look like you were frozen, and I <laughs> I was like, okay, is Drew frozen? Well, um, I thought you was here by yourself, man. Yeah, I thought I was here. I was talking to myself. Well, uh, you, Drew, I was what? To, you bring Chris in. I'm like, I yeah. want to talk over him coming well, in, your, so I just kind of sat there. Give one of your mid season uh, uh, disappointments or uh, positives from the mid season point, Drew. Give one of them. I've already done my. Uh, who, who who would have thought? How about the? They are who who we thought they were. Great quote by the late Dennis Green. Rob, uh, Dennis Green. They <laughs> are who Rob we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. And we let them off, off the, the hook. hook. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to give this number one to Grambling. Grambling, slow start. How many years have we talked about Grambling getting off to such a slow start and then becoming relevant at this time uh, of year, Brian? At least the last. And you uh, and I and I know you have called it personally. Yeah, yeah. Twenty nineteen, twenty eighteen. I think twenty seventeen. Actually, um, yeah, I don't think that applied then. So. So that 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 that's my team on the they are who they thought who we thought they were at the division uh at the division at the division one level. On the small school level, and this is kind of tough, but Fayetteville State, man. What? What's wrong they with Fayetteville State? Kind They're of, four and one. They're, they're four and one, but they really are. They, they, they are. They're going. They're dominating the South, but they. They. I guess because they don't have that cachet, that that wow factor that you're looking at, where you really think they can challenge a team in the North. Fayetteville State is doing exactly what they have done the last three years or so. They are who we thought they were. You know, you know what's you know what's hurting. You know, the the schedulers are hurting Fayetteville State. Uh, because look at who they play. Look, the cross division or the uh, what do you call it? The uh, cross, uh, cross, yeah, cross yeah. division. They play Go Virginia ahead. State and Lincoln, right? I mean, Virginia State gave them a pretty competitive game, twenty eight fourteen, but then they beat Lincoln forty six to nine, right? They didn't have to play Union. They didn't have to play Bowie. They didn't have to play Shawan. I mean, that's who That's who probably – I mean, imagine if Fayetteville State plays one of those games or one of those teams and gets a win. What? Are we Are we thinking of Fayetteville State differently, right? But correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Bowie have a favorable schedule two years ago like that where they did not play any of the top teams in the South? 
if we gave Bowie all the credit in the world. But of course, we know the Northern Division is a tougher division to start with. Right, right. So I, I'm just saying, it, it, and, and, and it's cyclical. You know, Alabama yeah, A&M had a schedule that was favorable for them, but unfortunately, a, they have not been able to handle their business with that schedule. You, cyclical. Well, look, we we brought it. We got the right person in to kind of talk to us about <laughs> the uh, cyclical scheduling. <laughs> Joining us right now, good friend of the program, Chris Ferguson. Uh, Chris, we were just debating this scheduling thing that uh, Fayetteville State seems to commonly get stuck with, where they don't ever play the top teams in the North. What are your thoughts on we, – we were just talking about uh, first half disappointments and positives, and, and Drew was saying Fayetteville State's one of his disappointments. I, I don't know, but uh, what, no, what's I your didn't take say on – No, I disappointment. I said they are who we thought they were. Oh, okay, okay. What's your that thought on cool. Fayetteville State, uh, Chris? I mean, and so I'm looking. I was actually as I was I was tuning in while I was kind of like trying to figure everything out here, and I happened to go and take a peek at Fayetteville State's schedule. Uh, you know, 2017, they played and lost to Virginia Union, which was one of the better teams in the North um, in the crossover. Uh, 2018, they played uh, Cho Wan, that was a high-powered offense, and they won a shootout. That's not the first time that they played Cho Wan and, and won in a shootout in recent memory. I mean, and then 2019, um, yeah, Cho Wan was really down, and, and they beat them 66-20, and they played Lisbon City, which, you know, didn't play very well in 2019 either. Um, yeah, Fayetteville State doesn't have that signature win, and – I, I would just say that that's a combination. That's a that's a number of factors. Some of that is they play a, a good North team and and they end up in these you know shootouts. And also, Fayetteville State doesn't win out of conference. It's not like you have um, like Shaw will occasionally win a game out of conference, and not not necessarily against the HBCU and and um, Chowan did this year and Bowie State uh, as well this year. So. Uh, Fayetteville State is kind of who we thought they were. They'll end up being a, a eight and eight and two team or or a nine and two team, and and those two losses will be against you know teams that they need to win to really you know impress people. No, they'll be like a nine and two team that won't make it probably into the into the D two football dot com poll, and there might be a nine and two team that at the end of the season that that should they lose the buoy that is still receiving votes. Um, in the coaches poll, just because of who they win, who they win against, and and who you know they they can't really get that big win against um, as the season goes on. So, yeah. Um. So the 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 big game, obviously this week. Well, you know, two big games. I mean, let, let's call them what they were. I mean, each the North and the South had a had a big game against the top two teams in the standings. Uh, you had Bowie State yeah. traveling to Shawan, uh, Shawan, and then you had uh, Fayetteville State traveling to Shaw, and and the road teams got victories. Defense travels. I told you, Drew. That, that I'm telling you, that's going to be the show name. You don't, you still don't know it yet. Defense travels. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk. I mean, okay. So look, 51 points average for Shawan, 30 point average for Bowie. 
Uh, we've seen these two teams have an offensive battle. Uh, what was that, 2019? Or was it 2018 when Shawan beat Bowie? Which year was that? 18, 2018. Yeah, I, I don't. I think I think Bowie exacted some revenge in 2019, if I recall, right? That would be correct. Yeah. So look, we've seen offense. Well, I don't think we've seen a a, a 14 to three with a defensive touchdown. Explain what we what we saw. Those who had a chance to see it. Uh, I go to the CIAA network, go watch that game, uh, go rewatch that game because that was a heck of a contest. What did we see, Chris? So I actually went to this game and, you know, the first half you kind of saw uh, Trowan having a little bit of success um, on offense, but uh, you, the, there was a costly uh, fumble. Um, Bob Bryce with really just scrambling and, and uh, probably doing a little bit too much on third down. And uh, that was your scoop and score uh, that uh, Bowie State had. And, I mean, both teams have, like, this incredible pass rush. Um, that's something that, you know, Chowan had consistently been having issues with over the last couple of seasons. But, I mean, you kind of saw an equivalent pass rush from what Bowie State had. And, 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 and the difference, I think, is just that, uh, you know, Bryce Witt is such a big guy that he can be a little difficult to, to pull down. Uh, but he, he hadn't really seen any, a pressure like Bowie State kind of brought to that game. And, and it wasn't that they did anything different. It was just that that's what these guys do. I mean, they're just that good at it. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very high level division two off uh, defense for them. So, you know, Trowan, I kind of wrote that if Trowan wants to win this, win this game, they can't have turnovers um, because uh, that, that that will mean that they have good ball control or they're willing to fit the field position. And unfortunately, Bryce Witt had both the turnovers, both were fumbles, and, uh, and, and Bowie made them pay in one. And then the other one was uh, the drive where they ended up scoring at the end of the game was – aided by some, you know, very untimely penalties. I mean, the unsportsmanlike conduct on third down, third and 20, yeah, you're excited, but, you know, get off the field. You know, give your offense a chance, and and, and you kind of hate to see that. And, and then another penalty, I think it was a face mask penalty, um, on a big run by uh, Khalil Wilkins for Bowie um, that extended um, big yardage for even more. Um, I mean, this game really came down to – um, who made less uh, mistakes, and Bowie was the one who made less mistakes. They they were, it was it was a really good game though. Yeah, um, when you go inside the numbers um, and and you go back and look, I mean, Jawan really, you know, more first downs, both passing and rushing, uh, total yards, uh, rushing and passing. I mean they. They stymied Bowie probably unlike anything that we've seen. I mean, they held Bowie to 112 yards of total offense. I mean, now when you yep. hold somebody to 112 yards of total offense, now now let's let's flip it on the side. Look, uh, Shawan was held to 167. Most most games, any other, I mean, that was a great game, but 112 yep. yards of total offense. You forced him to punt eight times, and like you said, it comes down to two fumbles, two fumbles. The, the timeliness of the penalties, I mean, both teams committed double-digit penalties, but 
when you commit the penalties matter, right? And the right. fumbles, when you when you fumble. I mean, your fumble, you led to a scoop and score. I, right. I mean, so, and sadly, we won't get a chance to have a repeat, a repeat of this game. You know, there's no, uh, you know, winner, if winner takes all, Bowie it, it controls their destiny. No wild card. Yeah, well, yeah, no wild card. I mean, just you have to hope maybe Shawan gets an opportunity as an at-large bid uh, if they keep winning and keep putting up production the way they've right. done it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I don't, I don't know what to make of, uh, I don't know what to make of of Bowie's look. You said what you said it all. I, I need to get out of the way. You said it all right there. Um, let's flip it over to the South. Uh, my disappointment of the season has been the South and the fact that up until this past Saturday, everybody was winless. Uh, four teams were winless except for Winston-Salem. They are uh, who we thought they were. Yeah, well, look, that's got to make you feel proud. That's a good comeback for Winston. After getting put – if you give up 73 to turn around and get a win the next week, that's impressive. That's impressive. But the matchup was Fayetteville State and Shaw. Um what do we see? What do we see from from that from that game, Chris? So there's a stat line that I think is really important to highlight here: third down conversions. Fayetteville State one of twelve. Shaw two of fourteen. Um, you know, this is a game that um, there was certainly impact from weather um, because. Uh, you know, both teams, they do like to, to pass the ball, and uh, they just really didn't have that success passing the ball, and I think weather certainly played an impact. I mean, they both have great secondaries, but to see something like this happen where, uh, you know, Shaw only had 21 yards passing, 416, uh, and Fable State 99 yards passing. Uh, it, it, I, think the, I think the weather played a, a pretty big factor here. Uh, and so, you know, Shaw gets in the red zones through three for four, but three field goals, right? And, 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 uh, Fable State, uh, you know, putting a touchdown on the board certainly helped their cause. But, to, you know, th- 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 this was tough to watch, I think, you know, for a variety of reasons. I-, I was following Twitter and I saw where, you know, there was a very controversial call with the interception that, you know, Shaw believed that they had an interception that would have stopped a, a, uh, a Fayetteville State drive, and, uh, and 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 the officials ruled otherwise, and also tacked on an unsportsmanlike penalty that sort of led to a Fayetteville State score. And you know, it, 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 these were less than ideal conditions, and this is kind of what you have. And for whatever reason, the Fayetteville State Shaw game just tends to end up in 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 unfavorable weather conditions. I mean, if we talk about this game, we talk about I think it was like 2015, the hurricane game, where they decided to go ahead and play the game, and it's like seven to six in a game that they probably should have postponed. You know, it, it's unfortunate that that we couldn't even have ideal conditions for a game like this. Much like what you kind of saw with Chowan and, and Bowie State, it was a little bit better there. But um, in the end, you know, Fable State took advantage of of the opportunities provided to them, and. Uh, but you know these are the rushing game, you know, pretty standard for for Fayetteville State. But overall, this is this is not uh, this is less than stellar numbers um, for what you want out of a um, division leader, in my opinion. 
Now, now, Chris, we know you're a CIAA expert, but you follow Division II football, especially the HBCUs in Division II football. It may be the first of October, but you have to start thinking potential playoffs and playoff positioning. Now, the SIAC and the CIAA are usually in there with the, uh, I believe it's the SAC and the, uh, what's the fourth conference? Uh, Gulf South. Gulf South Conference. Now, usually we get, you get your CIAA champion and your SIAC champion in there as preferred qualifiers, meaning they have to finish nine or higher. Now, assuming they both get in, and let's, let's take that assumption further. It's going to have to be Bowie from the CIAA North and either the win- the winner of Albany State and Savannah in the SIAC East because I don't think an SIAC West opponent will qualify to get into the playoffs. Can we get a third HBCU in, i.e. Shawan, since they're sitting in second place, or the loser of an Albany State, Savannah State, into the playoffs? Well, there are a couple of things to sort out here. Um, there's this thing called earned access. So in the in the playoffs, you have uh, the top seven teams in a region are the ones who play. The one seed get to buy and two through seven play in the first round. The eighth seed should no other team in a conference have a team in the top seven and they end up eighth, then they can bump the seventh seed out via what we call earned access. The, the, so there are no, like, unlike, like, FCS ball, uh, which, which, which is what happened to Virginia Union. Well, no, Virginia State a couple of years ago, they got bumped out by someone, if I remember that correctly. No. Um, like in 19. Um, I, it, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while since that's happened. I think the last time that happened was probably 2014, uh, where Winston State got left out at 9-2, and two, and, and it was a six-team uh, six team uh, playoff for the region at that point. Um, the, 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 and I, oh, actually you're right. I think it was Virginia union that got bumped out some time ago. Um, and I believe it was for the SIAC to, to, to get in because they were in that earned access territory. The, the, the problem is, is twofold. Number one is the SIAC hasn't had a playoff qualifier for at least like two, three seasons now. And the best shot for that, I think, is going to be Albany State. Um, they have better, quite honestly, they do have better style points. You know, they lost to uh, Valdosta uh, by, what, 17? Yeah, uh, 21-3, I believe it was the final. Yeah, 21-3, right? And, and, and Savannah State just got blown out um, by Valdosta State. I mean, they don't look at win margins, supposedly, by the committee, but... Um, you know, it's almost like the winner of that game is going to have the the upper hand, and and, and Albany State does have some better out of conference wins too than Savannah does. So, to me, Albany is that 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 team. If they can't get in, I don't think the SIAC team gets in. Uh, and, and the and the, and another reason why I say that is because if you look at um, the Gulf South right now, you've got West Alabama undefeated. Valdosta undefeated, West Florida undefeated, and West Georgia with one loss to a to a fellow Gulf South member. So it's very likely that you're going to probably have three teams out of that 
um, out of that conference. And then you've got uh, the SAC, South Atlantic, who's going to at least have um, Wingate. And, and they've got some teams as well that, you know, have some uh, wins over the CIAA too. So it kind of leaves us in this really precarious situation because can the SIAC bump somebody out? Um, it, it, like Albany State, can they get to seven? Uh, and, and that's a that's that's a that's a question. The other thing though is Trowan, the Trowan question, because Trowan does have some wins against the South Atlantic Conference, and could they sneak in as a six or a seven? Uh, I think so. Uh, at nine, if nine and one is their record uh, at the end, then I think they could sneak in as as a six or seven seed, and preferably you want them at six. You don't want them at seven and at risk of being bumped out. So it, it, it is possible. It is certainly possible. Okay, so here's the South Atlantic right now: Wingate five and zero, Catawba four and zero. So those two teams got to play each other. You could have somebody who is. Uh, 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 one loss, you know, but then they've got some pretty challenging individual uh, teams in Newberry, Mars Hill, Lenore Ryan, even though they're kind of slipping, you can't count them out um, for an upset. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's possible to get two HBCUs in out of the three contenders or two HBCUs and but, so on. But, and not, but not three. I, I don't see three happening. I think that, I think that if you even have a, a a there's a possibility that you have three from the Gulf South, um, possibly four, and two from the South Atlantic. That's that's six. That's six. Um, right and 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 what will probably happen is three from the Gulf South, two from the South Atlantic, and two spots for the HBCUs plus Chowan, CIAA and SIAC schools. That's what I see. And and, well, and 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 I guess I would qualify that too by, you know, you've got who did they play? Who did Chowan play? I mean, you've got Mars Hill sitting at four and two that they defeated. And you've got um um Saginaw Valley who defeated a ranked Texas A and M Commerce that Bowie State defeated. So they're getting some bumps here. And and that's Chowan has a good resume is what you're saying. They have a pretty decent resume. Yeah, I mean, it, it's okay. It's not, it's not, it's better than what you would expect from a CIAA team um, at a conference. And, and so, um, it, it it's not far fetched to think that there's three teams. I just think that the Gulf Souths really got to beat up in each other, mm-hmm. or maybe Catawba or Wingate slips and gets the two losses. All right. Um... Got a few people in the uh, chat room shouting out Livingstone getting the first win on homecoming. Winston-Salem State gets their first win. So I, I want to apologize for my earlier rant. There's only two winless teams in the South Division. My apologies. Uh, St. Aug and Johnson C. Smith, still winless. But the overall disappointment still is there for the South. So I, I won't retract that statement. But, <laughs> <This> <laughs> but congratulations. Is an understatement. Yeah, oh congratulations. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk this up and let's just say the the pandemic really affected some of those programs, and uh, you know, hopefully you all will be better going forward into 2022. Uh, let me get you out of here on this, Chris. 
midway point of the season overall. Uh, I want you to share your your best and worst that we've seen from the first half of the season. Best and worst. Um, I, I guess I would say that the best of the season has been uh, Bowie State's defense. Um, this is a defense that you don't expect to see. Uh, you know, expect to stop people, right? But they actually cause turnovers and score on those turnovers. And this past Saturday was not an anomaly. They've done this. They did this twice in New Haven. Uh, their defense, to me, is a legit, like, championship, national championship contender defense. That's is it better than last year? Is it better it's than better 2019? Than it's better yeah. than 2019. It's better okay. than 2019. So, to me, it, this is an excellent defense. Um, the, the, the worst of what I have seen is probably kind of what you just mentioned, the South. Um, to have four teams in the shape that they're in uh, is, is very difficult. And it's not even that. It's the, it's the type of losses that they've taken. Um, Bluefield State, first-year program. Allen, first-year in Division II. Uh, these, are, these are games that they should be winning and, and uh, as established programs, and they're not winning even those games. Um, so, to me, I, I think that it, 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 that's the downside to this. And I guess I would kind of mention, I think, one of the successes that we've seen is it's kind of nice to have seen uh, Elizabeth City um, kind of, you know, getting something out of the season. Uh, I already got two wins on the season and showing some real grit. Uh, really, really young team. Uh, but offensively, I mean, they do have some fun weapons defensively. They've got some real talent that I think is, is going to serve them very well going forward if they can just build on it. Uh, I think that's been one of the bigger surprises. Uh, we don't want to talk about Winston State. I mean, that's just a train wreck right now. Uh, but it was nice to see that they, you know, at least we, I think they maybe they've hit rock bottom with Chowan now and, and you know, go for two straight uh, next week. But, uh, but boy, they, they just continue to take these steps back, and it's just nice to see a reprieve there. Um, but, but that would be my best and the worst. All right. Uh, this upcoming, or I should say this upcoming next weekend, I guess uh, if I had to look at the – Highlight game is probably going to be Virginia State at Bowie. Um, Shawan hosts Virginia Union, but I'd probably say Virginia State always uh, with a good program. Usually, um, I think they're two and one in the conference. I was just looking at the standings here. Um, they're sitting at yeah two and one, but two and three overall. They've won two in a row, so uh, trending in the right direction is Virginia State. So. Uh, that's probably your your feature game in the CIAA, and then everyone else is kind of uh, taking shots at each other. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about the North versus the South, so I mean, uh, any quick thoughts about that? That was a, actually that was a last two weekends where the North won mm-hmm. those four to two. We probably shouldn't be surprised at that, I guess, should we? No, no, no. All right, no. Uh, are you are you going? Are you are you are you traveling anywhere this upcoming Saturday? No, I will be turning into the Red Zone channel uh, this weekend. Um, you, you are know, the Red Zone channel. Versus... Chris, what are you talking about? You are the Red Zone channel. <laughs> that's what this 
Yeah, it'll be uh, full on, you know, watching games remotely and 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 tuning into as many games as I possibly can. Uh, you know, the South versus the North. Um, I mean, it just kind of is what it is. The middle ground there was Elizabeth City. Uh, they won two games there. Everybody else were, you know, shutouts, blowouts. Um, whether it's the, the the bottom tier of the South or Lincoln as is really the the one team that couldn't pull off a win for the North to you know sweep. Uh, so uh, it is is as expected. Uh, I don't really see other than maybe Winston State going forward into next year with you know a new coach probably uh, improving. Uh, but John C. Smith, you know Saint All. Same yeah. thing, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's is Livingstone is kind of on the rise. They've been in a lot of games this year, but they just haven't been able to close. And uh, so it, it it'll be interesting to see what they do as well. Uh, I think that they're certainly on the path forward. But you know, I think a lot of what you just said was was right. Um, the pandemic really hasn't served them very well, and we're just seeing the effects of that um, this far in. And I hope that you know, they are able to take the rest of these games and improve upon that um, to see kind of what they have going into the offseason. Well, uh, we will be tuned in. If you are not following Chris on Twitter at D2KFerg, F-E-R-G, you should be because especially on Saturday, he's the best follow in black college football. Saturday afternoons, just put him on, uh, put put a little notifications on your phone, so that way, as uh, as uh, as, the, as Chris, the Red Zone channel of the CIAA is going, and he's tweeting uh, tweeting out updates and shooting you video highlights. You can follow everything. That is, if you aren't at a game or watching your game, follow Chris. That's the that's the best thing that you should be doing on Saturday afternoons uh, for the CIAA. So, all right, we're rooting for some. We're rooting for wins, Chris. I don't want to see anybody go winless. So. You know, let's go. Let's go. Uh, let, you know, hold on. Let me make sure. Let's go Lincoln, PA. Let's go St. Aug. Let's go Johnson C. Smith. You got about four weeks left, four to five weeks. Get wins. Get a win. Well, we know go one of them, two. We know one of those three will get one because they, they got a head to head. Yes. So yes. at first, we yes. can only have two. Yes, exactly. So let's go. Somebody's got to get a win. We're rooting for you guys. All right. Chris, thanks for your time. All right. We appreciate you. We'll be back with a short wrap-up in a moment. You're watching the BCSN rap, uh, Sports, uh, blah, blah, what are we? The BCSN Sports Wrap, Brian and AD. We'll be back in a moment. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do, Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN. We really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us.
returned to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. All right. Thanks again to Mo Carter and Chris Ferguson for joining us. Uh, thank you, you guys who are watching us on Facebook and on YouTube. We appreciate you. Please make sure you subscribe to those channels and those pages. Now is for the moment. It's the brand new BCSN Top 5 Rankings. This is not a poll. This is a ranking. Rankings based on analytics. Numbers never lie. Drew, All right, let's here start we go. with we'll the under D1. Under D1 top five. We start off with the under D1. It's coming in at number five. Four and one record. 557 points is Fayetteville State. Coming in at number four. Five and one record. 654 points is Savannah State. Coming in at number three. Also at five and one. Uh, 705 points, Bowie State. Number two. Five and one. 725 points, Albany State, and remaining at number one, 5 and 0, 790 points are the Langston Lions. Lane College dropped out. Uh, that's the one school that I think of that was in the top five that dropped out. That would be um, correct. Uh, Fayetteville yeah. replaced them. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the major, our Division One top five rankings, Drew. Here we go. All right, uh, and, and if you guessed it, Alabama A&M did drop out of the top five for this week. So coming in at number five with a 3-2 and two record, 358 points, North Carolina A&T. Coming in at number right. four, 3-2 three, three record, 362 points, Norfolk State. Coming in at number three, 3-2 three record, 400 points, Alcorn State. Coming in at number two. Drum roll, please, y'all. Four, four and one record. 557 points is Jackson State. What? Remaining number one what? with a four and one record. 561 points. That's only a five-point difference, everybody. Prairie View A&M. And I will attribute that five-point difference based on the strength of schedule between of these two teams individually. Um, interesting you said that because Jackson State has played a Division II team. Prairie View A&M has not. And, and that's the difference. And, and that strength is – now, what are we saying? That will level itself out probably at some point during the season. Probably, right? We'll see. Numbers never lie. Our formula, lie. our formula doesn't lie. It may be controversial, but it never lies. It's uh, consistent. So it is consistent. We might be the so we might be the only uh, site place entity that doesn't have Jackson State 
uh, ranked number one because we're not a poll. You know, this is not no people's opinions here. These are just what the numbers say. The numbers say preview A&M, they had a bye week. They were number one last week. They shouldn't lose their spot. They didn't play anybody. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for this show. We, uh, hey, appreciate everybody for tuning in and, and tuning in and watching us live. We're going to uh, record a show a little bit later tomorrow and probably drop it later in the week, uh, a, a more comprehensive mid-season where we give out some mid-season awards and things like that, and then we kind of get ready for the upcoming week. Uh, so make sure you guys uh, check that out. But you will be notified if you've already liked, subscribed, downloaded, shared. Uh, did I miss one? No. Donate. Oh, donate. MyJBN.com slash support is where you can donate this uh, beautiful project that we have. MyJBN.com slash support. All right, that's and I want to see the comments of, of those rankings. Uh, let us know, even though we're ready to sign off, still tell us what you feel about those rankings. Yeah, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook at mybcsn one, the number one. We we're, we'll take a look at some of the comments and we'll uh, react to a few of those comments that we see uh, for the next show that we do. Uh, we'll record it tomorrow and air it later in the week. All right, uh, for my partner, Ad Drew. I want to thank our producer back in the studio, Roy Evans. I am Brian Fulford. You've been watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. Thanks for watching. Good night. Peace out. Ahala.